Welcome to episode 67 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Sometimes it feels like networking is all about who you need to meet, but maybe you already know the people you need to grow your business or your career. Maybe you made some connections three, five, or even 10 years ago, and those are the people you need to reconnect with today. About 17 years ago, I met Robbie Wesson, a very talented graphic designer. Actually, to say we met is a bit of a misnomer since for the first 18 months or so, We conducted all of our work via phone and email, never meeting in person. When we did finally meet and he shared his extensive and impressive portfolio, I was blown away because he had been patiently helping me with simple design requests like newsletters and business cards. When I moved from New York to Boston in 2002, we lost touch. Over the next few years, a lot changed for me, including that I had taken steps to have my gender presentation match my gender identity. I mention this because I've been told by many that reaching out to former colleagues after a long absence feels risky and, oh, a bit awkward. I dare you to find a more awkward and risky reunion than one between a transgender man and his former colleague. But I had really enjoyed working with Robbie Wesson, and the organization I worked for needed a great graphic designer. So I did it. I reached out. And we had a laugh that while our names are spelled differently, he spells Robbie R-O- B-B-I-I, I had ended up choosing his name as my own. A fast forward 10 years, and I still regularly call upon Robbie to make me look good, including requesting that he design the cover of my best-selling business book, Croissants vs. Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking and Conferences. Although we still live in different states, we've managed to see each other every year or so and continue to find ways to work together. Because good people should not be forgotten when we move on to a different company and time passes before we say hello again. Who have you thoroughly enjoyed working with at your past jobs? Reach out, say hello. The history you share makes them your warmest weak ties. Are you looking for a graphic designer? You'll find Robbie at robbii.com. I'll add the link to the show notes as well. Let him know I'm still talking about him nearly two decades after we first connected. On the Schmooze is proud to be a headliner on C-Suite Radio, which is part of the C-Suite Network, a network of a half million C-level executives. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest is an entrepreneur, TED speaker, and award-winning author who has been named USA Today's Most Connected Millennial after spending years identifying and connecting hundreds of the world's smartest and most talented millennials. His first book, Two Billion Under 20, was voted the number one entrepreneurship book of 2015. And his second book, Three Billion Under 30, just came out in January and shares seemingly superhuman stories of millennials who collectively have started companies worth billions and influence hundreds of millions of people each week through their inventions, media companies, social media accounts, and movements. All this has led him to become a go-to marketing and business development consultant for venture-backed startups, Fortune 500 companies, New York Times bestselling authors, Olympians, and many others. He's been featured by almost every major media outlet, including Mashable, Fox, ABC, Washington Post, Forbes, Fortune, and Fast Company. He's even been a champion for humanity by the United Nations. Please join me in welcoming Jared Kleinert. Thanks for having me. Jared, thank you so much for speaking with me from your office in New York City. Uh, you have a really impressive uh, background, and I should just upfront mention to people that your 21st birthday was very recent compared to mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I guess I don't even how uh, how long does it take you to normally put these out? I might be 22 by the time this comes out. Oh, on. this will be the, this fall. Yeah, it'll be in a couple. It'll be out two months from now. So we'll see. Okay, when's your birthday? October 16th. Yeah, it'll be right about then. All right, we'll, we'll aim for that. So there you are. Yeah, I would still say you're the youngest <laughs> person I've interviewed on this show. 
And, and the podcast is about leadership and networking. And so let's start by asking, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Leadership to me is uniting other people in solving bigger problems than themselves, uh, whether it's big pressing problems for society, uh, like I hope some of my readers will grow up to solve, uh, or it's challenges in business. I think you know, leadership is the ability for someone as a connector to unify people, get them working on things outside themselves, and to do so by making best use of their superpowers, not necessarily the, uh, the things that you want them to be good at. So if you're a CEO, if you want your salespeople to sell more, but their superpower is really in customer development or you know, customer research, uh, I think you would not be leading in the best way possible if you didn't somehow allow your salespeople to become the best customer development reps in your you know, organization. And instead, we're sort of hammering down uh, their throats to sell more. You know, so I think if you can help people uh, take action using their superpowers and then unite them in uh, bigger you know, shared visions and goals, that's leadership. I love that uh, definition because it shows that we get to the goal by everyone doing their part and it's up to a leader to recognize what is the one thing, at least one thing that everyone can offer in. And if we have people sort of siloed or slotted into the wrong, wrong like role, they're going to keep running into challenges and get demoralized. And if you can just see, Oh wait, this person has this other asset. That's really cool because I do think it's about reading people and they'll be so much more amped into supporting the greater cause if they feel like they're contributing their best selves. So so at what point did you realize you had skills in this area of leadership? Yeah, I realized I I didn't go into that story yet, but it's a bigger story. So if if we have time, I'll I'll dive a little into it. But uh, it takes us back to when I was 17. Uh, And when I was 17... Uh, I went to a conference hosted by the Teal Fellowship, and the Teal Fellowship is a program that gives kids hundred grand every year to drop out of college and build new businesses or start crazy science projects. And this group was probably one of the first networks that sort of put out the the beacon signal or the Batman signal that it was okay to both be a young entrepreneur and collaborate and meet other young entrepreneurs. And since then, other networks like YEC and Summit and uh, you know all these different other groups, my, mine included, have almost popped out or originated after the fact. Uh, but the Teal Fellowship was the first to do it. Uh, I got started as an entrepreneur at 15. And so I had my fair share of mentor stories. And <laughs> those are very interesting. We can go into them later. But you know, do my thing for two years. Uh, ended up getting in touch with the Teal Fellowship and going to their first ever uh, sort of public-facing conference, uh, second official conference. And it's the first time in my life I was surrounded by like-minded young people. And my world completely changed. Uh, went through this whole weekend. It was a two-day event. Made friends that I'm still in touch with today, almost five years later. Uh, really decided I wanted to step on my game and that this you know, was something I wanted to do you know, for the rest of my life was start businesses and you know, be an entrepreneur. Uh, but there was a challenge that was issued at, by the last keynote speaker that really stuck with me. And he was talking about how there were 20 people selected for the Teal Fellowship program each year. It's a very hard program to get into, still is. Um, it's about 200 people in the room that day. And hmm there were 2 billion people in the world at or under 20 years old. So these were the stats we were given. Uh, we were also given this idea uh, and this, this challenge to quote unquote spread the virus and get more young people to do amazing things with their lives. And so for whatever reason, that idea stuck with me. And a few months later, uh, I decided that I wanted to lead an initiative to unite some of the stories from individuals who had gone to that conference and stayed in that network and start sharing those stories with a wider audience and get more young people to do amazing things with their lives and to really push the these ideas of entrepreneurship, of scientific 
innovation, uh, et cetera. And so I guess that's where I, I was first really turned on to this idea of leadership. So I'm curious, uh, you say you started uh, out as an entrepreneur at 15. Were there anybody in your life that was an entrepreneur? Like, where did you first get the idea that that was even a possibility? Yeah, I'm fortunate to come from a very entrepreneurial family. So there's about four to five uh, family businesses that are still around today. Uh, I was also fortunate in the sense that my parents weren't successful as entrepreneurs, and therefore I wasn't entitled to uh, really join any family businesses or partake in any of the profits of family businesses. Uh, And so even just being like a a white male who was born in the United States makes you, uh, you know, someone who has uh, privilege in a way. And so does coming from an entrepreneurial family. So I I do understand these things, uh, but I was also very grateful for the fact that I wasn't entitled to anything. Where did you grow up? What, uh, what areas of the country? I grew up in South Florida. Yeah, Boca Raton for all the Jews who are listening. Yeah. Uh, an hour north of Miami for all the non-Jews listening. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I said you were in New York City, but are you in the process of moving also? I am. I'm in the process of moving to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I've been with my girlfriend for almost two years and find a place here. So wow. I've been uh, eating less avocado toast and saving up money for our home together. I love that reference. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you know, so I come from an entrepreneurial family, very grateful for that. I understand that that gives me uh, sort of a priceless exposure to business and to entrepreneurship. Uh, I'm also grateful for the fact that I wasn't entitled to anything growing up. And so worked very hard. I worked for my grandma and her catering business from 11 to 16 uh, in these part-time jobs, uh, decided to start my first business at 15 because I didn't want to cater for the rest of my life. Uh, and you know, I just, not that catering's bad. She's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, grandma. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I started this business, but like any first time entrepreneur, usually, and especially a 15 year old one, uh, I made every single business mistake you can think of from not having enough capital to not really knowing my competitors. And by far the biggest mistake I made was having a, a poor mentor. And the guy who I was learning from and hanging out with at the time, uh, I found out about six months into spending time with him almost on a daily basis uh, that he was a former white-collar convict and that <laughs> he'd served time in prison for security fraud on Wall Street. So, boom, you know, yeah. negative one on the networking scale and, and relationship building scale as far as uh, surrounding myself with high-integrity, uh, high-competency individuals. And so... If it weren't for that experience, I wouldn't be chatting with you today. Uh, you know, the, the positive from that experience is I didn't want to repeat it. <laughs> and so I, uh, I was reading an article in Forbes maybe six months to a year after that incident. Uh, I came across this article about the most connected man you don't know in Silicon Valley uh, about this guy, David Hassel. And uh, I wanted to be David Hassel. Uh, and so, and, and in many ways still do. Uh, I was reading about this guy. He hosted these dinner parties uh, where Tim Ferriss would show up, Warren Buffett's former pilot would show up, uh, pro soccer players would show up. And not only was he great at choosing and you know bringing people together, but he was also making real authentic connections to the point where very powerful individuals were starting new organizations and companies uh, because of his connections. Like the founders of Summit met each other through David. Uh, or you know, people were meeting their significant other through David. So he was really good at creating a space where those connections could take place. It wasn't just that he was uh, making them himself, but he was making it possible for the for the dinner attendees to do it. Both. So he was thought, thoughtful uh, about the hosting yeah, part. Which is leadership. And so yeah. you know, when we go back to why I was even able to start leading at 17, it's because at 15 I had a very negative ex- experience of what, you know, leadership looks like, or, you know, more mentor mentee, but that's still a form of leadership. You know, 16, I rub elbows with and intentionally, you know, seek this amazing leader that I'd read about. Uh, I offered, you know, I I sent him a cold LinkedIn message, uh, offered to work unpaid in exchange for his mentorship, uh, and ended up spending the next two years working for him at his company. Uh, I spent the first year unpaid, uh, eventually got on payroll, at his 
VC-backed startup in San Francisco. Uh, the startup itself is a, an employee engagement and culture management uh, tool for enterprises. And so, you know, by working at that company, I learned a lot about leadership and about building relationships and engaging other people. Uh, and so by the time I was going into this conference in 17, it was pretty natural for me to, to actually want to create a new space for my peers uh, to otherwise come together and do something for, uh, for a greater good. So I'm really curious about that uh, opportunity you saw to reach out um, to the most connected man in Silicon Valley that you don't know. Well, that, well when they say that, they meant like yeah. it wasn't a, he wasn't a household name, but he knows everyone. Exactly, exactly. But tell me a little bit about sort of mentally what it meant for you to reach out to him at that time. Were you feeling really confident about doing that? Was it? Do you think there was a little bit of naiveness, like let let you do it? Because I think people like talk themselves out of doing what you just described. Honestly, the, the I'm not going to lie to you. The, the message I sent him was probably one of the cockiest things I've ever written. <laughs> and it, it was terrible. It was also really misspelled, which I, I still uh, misspell things to this day. Uh, but, you know, for some reason, he, he still saw through both of those things and my, my youth and appreciated uh, my intent, which was to provide him value and, you know, otherwise earn an opportunity. And you know, I, don't, I don't think uh, at that point that I was nervous to do that. I think becoming an entrepreneur a year earlier sort of starts to get you out of that shell. And so like, if you're listening to this and you're, you're not an entrepreneur, then I would still attempt to do entrepreneurial things here and there because it's going to increase your ability to meet people uh, and to otherwise, you know, have very interesting life experiences. Uh, And if you are an entrepreneur, you're going to have to sell, you're going to have to market yourself. You're going to have to meet new people, whether it's employees or contractors or whomever else. And so uh, funny enough, I was a shy kid growing up, but because I became an entrepreneur at such a young age, I literally, I had to force myself to become more and more outgoing and to really get people. And so was I a little nervous when I reached out? Maybe, but at that point I had been indoctrinated into the ideas of entrepreneurship and that mentality. Uh, and it, I didn't really give it much thought. And actually I didn't get an email back until uh, or a message back until like three months after I sent it. And so wow. shame on me for not following up, but right. you know, I had almost forgotten that I'd sent David a message. And then I'm at a, my brother's friend's going away party. Cause he was a, a young actor, you know, moving from South Florida to Los Angeles. And we were hanging out and I get this email, you know, from LinkedIn saying you've got a new message and uh, read this thing and yeah. Start so, flipping out because that so, was really cool. Yeah, so there's there's so many lessons to pull from this about you know why why not reach the top um, and proofread and and spell check are your friends. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and have Don't a plan to follow up. Don't be too cocky, but share <laughs> that you want to offer value. I think it's cool that you went in saying like I'll I'll work for you for a year. You know, like you really understood that you had you could just like ask for coffee. You know, I think even today people still default to, to, you know, let me pick your brain. Let's have coffee. And actually one of the reasons I love hosting a podcast is that I get to have a conversation for an hour with brilliant people and I'm offering them value inherent in the fact that I'm interviewing them and sharing your message. Right. Absolutely. Which is really different than if I said the same thing was like, Hey, Jared, I'm going to be in your area. Let's meet for coffee. And you're like, I don't have time to meet for coffee with everybody. I am curious because you've talked about it a couple of times really quickly. What was the business you did at 15? It almost doesn't matter. It's like it was a education startup. It was supposed to allow you to access tutors from around the world via web chat. Uh, I ended up interning for a company called Learnist, which was basically doing 80% of my, my grand plan or 90% of my grand plan. Uh, and Learnist, so, so I got the opportunity to work at Learnist uh, because of David as well. So uh, when when I started talking to him, you know, David as as the you know, ever connector, uh, was asking me, you know, what do I want to do? Why do I want to work for him? What am I interested in? At the time I told him I was interested in ed tech or education technology and and that sort of realm of startups. And to be honest, I wasn't that interested in what he was doing, uh, at first, which was enterprise software and like SaaS uh, businesses. 
you know, I don't, I didn't really care for that. I, I now love it. And I'm so grateful that I, I went through that experience, but you know, he, uh, he not only allowed me to work for him, but he'd sent me an introduction to, uh, Farboot Nivy, which was the founder of Grocket, uh, which is a company that's been written about in lean startup and sort of, uh, had some interesting trials and tribulations in Silicon Valley. Uh, but I, I really never met Farboot either. Uh, but Farboot took David's email and, and David's word introduced me to, uh, this guy, Aaron, who was working at Rocket. And I ended up working for Aaron on, a, a sort of a spinoff company to Rocket, which was called Learnist. And, you know, so for three months, I was basically building what I wanted to build when I was 15, uh, with no idea that they had existed a year before. Uh, and when I had, I had to make a decision on where to spend my time, you know, and, and I ended up going with 15.5, and, which is David's company, and continuing to work for them. Uh, but as soon as I left that internship, they announced a $20 million round of financing uh, at, at Learnist. And so they ended up doing so well that they sold Grocket to a major education company and then continued building Learnist. Um, so yeah, it doesn't really matter other than the fact that I, I guess, got to build what... Uh, you know, what I wanted to under someone else's leadership later. Yeah. And it probably shortened your learning curve tremendously. Like, absolutely. I'm still in touch with my, my, with Aaron, you know, to this day. Yeah. So I think I said this to you when I met you in person, um, like I, uh, I, I'm identified as an entrepreneur at a very young age, identified, you know, I'm 20 years older than you a little more, but, um, (laughs) that's okay. And uh, yeah, it is. It's it's actually it's awesome because I I see in you like what potential I would have had if I had grown up with all these like technology opportunities. Um, it's all about knowing how to leverage them. So it's like you could exactly. hand people the keys to the castle and the roadmap and everything, and like here's it. But it's not enough. Like you have to have a certain amount of I know drive, initiative, follow through. Um, so what do you think were your best assets, and what should other people be cultivating? Like. To, to take advantage because we're in this powerful moment, you know, where, where it's possible to reach out to somebody through LinkedIn, Twitter, and make that connection. Like what, what was, what was going well for you that was like either taught to you or inherent to who you are? I, I think some things that are very practical that anyone listening to this could do for themselves is to dive, you know, in, include a very diverse set of influences around them. Uh, meaning, you know, if you're going to surround yourself with peers, find people in different stages of life with, you know, people with different life experiences than yourself who are working in different industries, uh, you know, with different setups and goals, you know, create a diverse sounding board for what you're doing. It'll make life more interesting. Uh, and it's also puts you in a very unique position where, through networking, through relationship building, you're actually getting a much more comprehensive education and self-assessment in a way uh, compared to all your competitors or peers or just other people who are in your shoes but aren't doing that. And so that's been one of the biggest things for me is, you know, being able to surround myself with mentors in their, you know, early 70s who have built billion-dollar companies or, or brands, uh, you know, to people that are younger than me you know, doing crazy things to peers in all different industries to, uh, non entrepreneurs and, you know, maybe looking at athletes or musicians or nonprofit founders, uh, that by far has been and very interesting, uh, and even making decisions to put yourself in a more diverse, uh, frame of mind, you know, is something I would advise too. Uh, I've taken it to the extreme. I've never had a corporate job, uh, which is where most people are employed. Like I've never uh, gone to college, and so you know, by default, I've been I'm being programmed in a different way than most people are. Uh, and so I've made these decisions intentionally to give myself a very diverse view on the world. And you know, I also view a lot of my peers as peer mentors, and so I would advise getting a, getting a diverse set of mentors as well. And you could have uh, you know, mentors in a, in a more traditional sense where you're meeting with someone who's just more experienced than you and whatever it is you're trying to accomplish uh, and having some structure that's spoken or unspoken to engaging with them. Uh, 
you could have, you know, two other types of mentors that I think most people don't really think about, which are your peer mentors, you know, all the other individuals who are within like one step below or above you could be in your industry or don't necessarily have to be, but are going through the same things as you are and can give you very tactical ideas and also just like emotional motivation and inspiration to keep going. Um, and then you can get, you know, in 2017, 2018, when people are listening to this, you can get virtual mentorship from practically anyone. You know, Tim Ferriss has shared 99.98% of whatever you would be able to ask him. You know, if you had him for coffee, he's shared it on his podcast or he shared it in his books. And same with Richard Branson and Mark Cuban and all these people who everyone really wants to meet. You know, so like I'm, I'm curious, uh, how have you approached your own education? It sounds like reading, listening, like you're very, uh, is it something you're very disciplined about? Do you, or you just dive in to one topic? Like what, what is your sort of approach to, to learning? Uh, it's, it's all people-based, which is why I think your show is so important and why I think this conversation and topic is so important. Uh, to me, it's, it's really all about people, whether it's virtual mentorship through books and through courses and whatnot, or it's, uh, you know, bringing in coaches and consultants to, to work with me and my business or just, you know, going to a new uh, network even. You know, I think like five to 10 years from now, I'm probably going to want to get into venture capital at some point, whether it's being an entrepreneur who takes on venture capital uh, in my business or it's uh, creating some sort of uh, fund with any of my projects to, you know, which might require limited partners and all that fun stuff. And so today, like right now, I'm thinking about who I need to meet and building those relationships. So in five or five to 10 years or three to 10 years, uh, I can have, you know, those really solid relationships to fall back on and also that education, you know, yeah, it and, sounds and that, like that it comes from going to different meetups where there's going to be venture capitalists. It means meeting the three venture capitalists I know, random number and like talking to them and then getting <laughs> introductions, um, means providing value with the other, you know, assets I have. So like my, uh, my legal team started, a a accelerator that's mostly online based. Uh, and so their other men, you know, their mentors for this program are some of the top venture capitalists in the tri-state area in, in New York, um, Connecticut and New Jersey. And so they asked me to be a mentor and I gladly accepted that because, I was able to provide value with my own unique skills and at the same time start building and cultivating the network I want. So uh, long-winded answer on, on education, but it's really all people-based. And you know, if, if anyone was going to university or is in university, you know, what is university? It's getting virtual mentorship from the, you know, from the uh, people who are writing the books and, and creating the content. And it's talking to your professors and having them available for one-on-one conversations or one-to-group conversations. But I, I felt like I could have gotten that without going to school. I could just email a professor if I want or, uh, or go seek someone in the real world doing the same work that is being theorized in a class. And so, you know, between people, which is the bulk of this conversation, and then doing stuff and learning uh, by, by practice and failure, you know, that's, that's the bulk of my education. So in a very practical sense, are you listening to lots of podcasts, reading lots of books? It ebbs and flows. Uh, I guess as we're recording this, I've probably read a book a week in the last month, but sometimes I don't read books for you know three months. Um, and I'll read articles. Uh, I guess it's like we live in a cool time where both education and even networking can be very project-based or very you know, need-based as opposed to building relationships before you need them, although that's still a very good practice. And, you know, so it'd be educating yourself before you need the education. Um, but you can always get real time connections, interactions, mm-hmm. uh, education, things like that. So, uh, I want to hear a little bit more about what it is you are doing today, but the way I want to ask you this question is, um, what do you find most rewarding about the work you're doing? So I have a, I have a couple different companies. Um, one is, is Kleiner Ventures, which is my marketing and business development consulting firm. And that got started relatively off of a fluke. Uh, I was trying to self-educate on 
the book marketing process because I was coming out with that book that I, or I when, when you, it's all, it's all come together. So uh, you asked me about leadership at the top of the hour and you know, what, what, where I left that story was me coming out of this Teal Fellowship Conference and sort of uniting different stories uh, from individuals who were exceptional young entrepreneurs. Uh, that culmination of stories turned into a book called Two Billion Under 20 uh, that came out when I was 19. Uh, and so, you know, at 18, I have a, a book deal with St. Martin's Press and I'm figuring out, you know, how the hell am I going to market this book? Because six months or you know, six months from this point in time, I got to start marketing a book. Right. Nine months out, it'll be on shelves. Twelve months out, I want to be you know in a position to get another book deal or you know speak or whatever it is. And so, part of the self education process was seeing if I could get in touch with New York Times bestselling authors because those people have sold a certain amount of books in a certain window of time. Uh, and are the experts at book marketing, right? And and also whatever they wrote about, which maybe there are some New York Times bestselling authors who wrote about book marketing, but those are few and far in between. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm at 15.5 still. Uh, I decided not to go to college right away, took a gap year. And so I want to not only self-educate myself, that, that doesn't make sense. Not only I want to self-educate on book marketing, but I also want to see how I'm going to stay financially independent uh, because I don't know if 15.5 is going to offer me a full-time gig or you know the full-time gig I want. And so I end up cold emailing 20 or 30 New York Times bestselling authors. And you know I wanted to keep this idea of offering value in mind. Uh, and so to really focus in on the people I could probably best help, I looked at the individuals who had some sort of connector element to what they were doing. And then I also looked at people that were doing things in a business-to-business fashion or were close to the enterprise stuff that I was working on at 15.5. And so I made this short list of people. Uh, you know, The person who was probably at the top of the list was the person that gave me the most passionate and quickest response, which was Keith Ferrazzi, um, author of Never Eat Alone and uh, former chief marketing officer of Deloitte. And... He, uh, you know, I sent him a cold email basically saying, I want to do work for you for free, <laughs> uh, which is a great tool. Uh, <laughs> I'm hearing uh, that. As you keep hearing. Uh, got in touch and uh, ended up doing a month of work for him for free to uh, promote Never Eat Alone Expanded and Updated, uh, which you know allowed me to get some education on book promotion, uh, which is actually how I got in touch with Dory Clark, who introduced the two of us, because I got Dory to write about Keith uh, and was able to then connect them in the process. Um, so value on all sides, all yeah, sides, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag, uh, presidential jab, but, uh, <laughs> uh, it's many sides, many sides, but many I'm going sides. so many different places of the story, but let's wrangle it in. Uh, so I learned my book marketing, uh, and then I also ended up doing some work with Keith. And so he became uh, a client of mine as, you know, sort of a freelancer. And for whatever reason, I realized that that gave me a lot of uh, social proof to go get more clients like Keith. And so for the last four years, I've been building a marketing consulting firm. And that is Kleiner Ventures, which sort of brings us uh, around to your original question of why I'm excited about it. Um, you know, I think what gets me most excited about consulting f- is you know, who I'm consulting for. So it's thought leaders, it's authors, it's major keynote speakers. It is uh, you know, entrepreneurs who have really innovative products uh, or, or just fantastic services um, and connecting them to more of their ideal customers uh, is really interesting to me because it turns into uh, consumers being healthier, wealthier, wiser. You know, that has serious ripple effect. And so if I can help someone like Keith uh, book two extra talks in a month, he's speaking to an additional thousand professionals. And then those thousand professionals, you know, have more tools to go build their personal networks and, Mm -hmm. or professional networks. And that might turn into them uh, being in a better financial position to provide for their families or 
having you know more money to invest in themselves. There's just a ripple effect, and it's it's relatively uh, it's relatively hard to track all this. Yeah, but I know it's happening. I uh, think it's so awesome that you have that in mind because I think a lot of times uh, the work of an entrepreneur is actually kind of lonely, staring at things on your computer. I mean, there's a lot of spreadsheets and a lot of email and a lot of like you know, hoping that the work you're doing has an impact, but it's clear you found internal motivation because you just know that there is this ripple effect. You have, you trust in that being true. You have some, you know, some evidence of it. Um, but mostly it's like, you just, you, you got so much value of knowing Keith, you know, that if Keith speaks for other people, they'll be inspired. I think that motivation is really helpful because there are times in this work that are challenging. And that's actually what I want to ask you about too, is what's been most challenging in all the work that you've done and, and how did you kind of find your way around or over or through that challenge? I think it's most challenging when you're not really connected to this why or to this, you know, reason for, for doing something. Like I, I've, I've at, at times wanted to close Kleiner Ventures because I've been building 2 billion under 20 and later 3 billion under 30 on the other side, which is probably the thing I'm most passionate about in my, my other business. Um, but when I really tapped into why I was doing consulting, why I was working with these types of clients in the first place, it, it allowed me to push past uh, difficult client engagements or you know, times when I thought I was going to score a big deal, but it didn't fall through or you know, someone, uh, yeah, it, like it was just a really tough day. And yeah, so that, that's why I still run that company. And you know, just to give you another example, like I've, clients right now, uh, these three partners running a $1.5 million a year consulting firm, they're consulting the chief and senior vice, or chief executives and senior vice presidents of major, major brands like, you know, Hershey's and Coca-Cola and Brown Foreman, which is like the owner of the, all the Jack Daniels brands. You know, some people would look at that and say, oh, it's just like, you know, Jared helping, you know, three people who are making a ton of money, who are helping like executives making a ton of money. Um, but I see a real ripple effect in the fact that I can help these exceptional facilitators and executive coaches go in and help, you know, decision makers who are therefore you're know, running uh, or managing thousands of employees. And those thousands of employees are interacting with tens of millions of people every single day. And so, you know, I think my small like impact or tweak uh, has a big ripple effect. And that's uh, similar to why I do 3 billion under 30, which is my other company. Uh, it's because I can get as many readers as possible, as many uh, people who consume our, our book content as possible to act on their passions in life and then start uniting in these big, bigger missions, you know, as we originally spoke about. And, and the ripple effect on that is again, on, really hard to, to recognize, but I know it's there. And so, you know, that's what keeps me going. It's, it's sort of the, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate in connecting, even if I don't know who's being connected to what, <laughs> I just know it's happening. So by the time this airs, um, an organization that I founded 11 years ago will have just come to a close the month prior. Um, I ran a meetup group called socializing for justice for 11 years. And similar to what you're describing, you know, we grew to 3000 members and had all these like hundreds of in-person events and, you know, countless connections that were made. I mean, it's where I met my wife and best friends. And yeah, I was about to say like, someone's probably got married from that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and it was you. <laughs> I did. And, and, and um, it was funny because over the years, like we, we uh, actually decided not to go for like funding. Uh, we decided not to, you know, go national or any of that. Just really to stay hyper-focused completely grassroots, not a, not, not a 501c3, not a nonprofit. Um, and part of it was that trying to measure the outcome, like early on, everyone was like, well, how do you, what is justice? How do you know you're doing something? You know, later on, a decade later, people could point to the relationships, but a lot of it was so anecdotal and people would forget to tell me, like three years later, they tell me that the, the thing they're doing now with so-and-so, oh yeah, I think we met at one of your events. <laughs> it's like, they just you know, it was really hard to capture that. But if you have a real belief that if you bring good people together who have shared values and you create a space where they can actually, well, actually engage, not just slap business cards in each other's hands or tweet at each other, but like 
have some thoughtful connection, um, bring more of themselves in the room, like magic will just happen. It's like inherently part of that process. It sounds like you have figured out how to take that concept and really amplify it. Um, Three billion under 30, is there going to be like a four billion under 40? I got to ask. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> is, is, does this keep going? As you age, are you going to like say like, you know, you're going to be like in your 70s and you'll be like, ah, oh, I've got to figure out the next number. Yeah, it's, it's, it'd be difficult to do like four billion under 40 personally, just because I'm so unattached from that. Yeah. Maybe, I'd, maybe I'd find like a co-author who's in their, you know, late 30s or, or you know, early 40s and, and work with them. Uh, I'll definitely keep writing. You know, I, I definitely yeah. will uh, continue writing books and, and doing that. Uh, I haven't written a book yet in, in the sense of I haven't sat down and written 200 pages or 300 pages of my own original thought leadership. Uh, and I don't think that I want to share original thought leadership yet. And so uh, even if I wrote another book, it would probably be heavily reliant on other people's inputs similar to tools of titans right so uh you know for those of you for the five people who don't know that that was tim ferris's last book but 80 percent of the content is from other people you know other titans uh of, of different industries and so i think if i did another book uh you know or i'm thinking of my next book potentially be me uh going deeper in my relationships with people i've written about in the past and and asked to contribute to my series uh, and potentially sharing the insights I've I've learned there, so I think that would be fascinating, um, and that even that gets to like the core difference between a, a networker and a connector. I think and I think a networker uh, and why this idea uh, has gotten such a bad rap in in history is because someone who's a networker sort of sees himself at the top of the hierarchy and is looking to sort of build a hierarchy underneath them, like a literal network. Uh, in order to carry out their missions and their ideas versus a, a connector who's simply looking to uh, connect different dots in this bigger neural network and allow uh, this this mastermind to to do its thing and you know bigger bigger uh, achievements will come from that you know bigger impact will be had because of that and it'll naturally come back to you you know I think none of us are without ego or without you know individual desire but you know, while I do get a lot of enjoyment out of hanging out with some of the influencers I meet and you know, the opportunities I get access to, you know, I also, again, realize sort of the, the ripple effect of connections I'm able to make, even if I don't know that they're happening. I, I have a question for you. Um, it's specifically around networking and like not just the meeting people, but staying in touch. Do you have anything specific you do, anything conscious you do, planned, uh, to nurture your relationships to nurture your network. Like, you know, like you mentioned earlier, like hosting dinners or retreats, like, like, or is there something that pings you and reminds you to go reach out to people? Like, or is it more happenstance? The short answer is yes. I have different tactics and things that I I practice, which I'm sure your other guests have, have shared gazillions of them. Uh, I think the, the addition that I might be able to add to this conversation that might not have been talked about in the past is being in the moment and just making each uh, you know, time you're with someone as deep as possible. Like I hate talking about the weather. Like <laughs> I love, I love sports and we just had the the big like Mayweather McGregor fight as we're recording this, you know, happened a couple days ago. Like I don't want to talk about sports. I want to talk about things that, that really matter to, to you and to me uh, and to like other people that, means something you know and so I, cr- I try and go as deep as possible with people in the five minutes I get with them at a conference and the half hour I get with them over coffee or you know two hours with them I get at dinner uh, or if I can go travel with them that's even better you know, really just get to know them and that can potentially sustain years of, of uh, interruption and, and not talking to someone because it's so rare that people try and, and like actually listen to you and connect and, and do that, uh, which is pretty sad. This reminds me of Dale Carnegie's quote, to be interesting, be interested. Yeah. So I, 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 mean, I love that book. Like I, I have definitely read it, you know, read Keith's book, obviously. Um, you know, so not, I don't think any of this is new, but you know, that's, that's what I try and do 
a lot is really just go deep with people um, as quick as possible, no bullshit. And I, I also look to provide value up front. And so, I, you know, you, I build myself up as someone being, as someone that is valuable. And so whenever I do follow up or I do re-engage, you know, I'm more likely to get a response. And so then, then we can go down the line of tactics. Like, of course, I, you know, do follow up emails, maybe not 100% of the time, but, you know, 80% of the time. Uh, I like to host dinners. I'm actually hosting one in an hour and a half in Atlanta uh, with some people that I know for a long time and people that I just met. Um, so that'll be, that'll be fun. Um, I think doing something like this is, is a very powerful tool, whether it's writing a book and interviewing a bunch of subject matter experts, hosting a podcast so you can you know, interview people. I think having some, some project that forces you to meet people of a certain caliber that you want to meet or of a certain uh, you know, flavor of, of person that you want to meet uh, is a very powerful tool. And so uh, when I did, and it's a great way to provide value to a lot of people all at once. And so when I have met a lot of these people over time, it's been through engines like my books and it, you know, I've done a, a YouTube series uh, for a short amount of time, or, you know, I take on clients who need to meet a lot of people and end up meeting a ton of journalists or a ton of uh, clients in the process. And you know, so with one of my clients right now, like I'm meeting the, you know, these senior vice presidents and these C-suite executives at Fortune 500 companies. Uh, and so I, I very, you know, purposely structure my work around meeting, you know, the type of people I want. Well, it sounds like you have a real sense of vision uh, a real drive and you're, you're willing to sort of put your focus and put your energy where it needs to be now, as well as having a mind towards, okay, what do I need to be doing now for like three, five, 10 years from now? And like, these are all lessons that we can take away from this conversation. We're getting to the end of the hour, but I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share a little bit about uh, where people can find you and follow your work. Yeah, I, I would invite you to get in touch with me directly. And surprisingly, not as many people as you would think take me up on this, but you know, email me, Jared Kleinert, uh, J-A-R-E-D-K-L-E-I-N-E-R-T at gmail.com. Text me, 646-846-7200. <laughs> Robbie's laughing. Uh, you know, honestly, no one does this. So uh, you know, see if you can provide value or... or be interesting and you know in or interested in what I'm doing and I will be interested in what you're doing in return um, but you know, get in touch with me I would love to to chat with you and become friends uh, if you want to find out about the book you can check out three billion under 30.com it's the number three the word billion the word under the number 30.com uh, book is only sold there although by the time this comes out we might get it up on Amazon um, Kleiner ventures is K-L-E-I-N, K-L-E-I-N-E-R-T, ventures.com. Uh, and yeah, so just get in touch with me. Um, I'd love to meet you. Yeah, I'll put all those links in the show notes, folks. So if, if you missed it, you can just go to onthechmooze.com and uh, you'll see the episode sitting right there. With these links, I'll also include a link to your, your uh, Twitter account and things like that so people can, can find you there as well. Awesome. Your, your audience might be interested in this. Um, sort of one of the newer things I've been trying with Kleiner Ventures is to do uh, the same like all day in-person strategy sessions I've been doing with consulting clients and do it for individual business owners uh, and entrepreneurs who want to grow their network. And so like literally teaching people how to network and build a world-class network in record time, uh, like that's become the all day strategy session. Uh, and so we've been trialing that out with a few people, uh, happy to bring on some more clients there. So that, <laughs> this would be the perfect venue to, to share that. And if anyone's interested in that, I'd love to hear from you as well. That's great. Thanks, Jared. Yeah. So, uh, no, but, but thank you for, for having me. You know, I, I am very serious to anyone listening, like get in touch with me. Uh, it's, it's really not hard. I gave you my tech, my uh, phone number. I gave you my email. Just yeah. say hi send me your favorite emoji or, or gif that'll make me laugh. That's and, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I like to have fun with it too. Why not? <laughs> have a good one, Jared. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jared Kleinert. It's such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. 
What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 67. That's also where you'll find all the links from today's episode. If you're listening to this podcast, then you already understand how critical relationship building is to your success. You go to events and conferences to meet new people and make an effort to stay in touch. Yet, you know you could up your networking game and turn that stack of business cards you've been collecting into cash, clients, and credibility. You're ready to create a strategic networking plan so you know where to put your limited time and energy and to create a system for following up and staying connected. Let me help you transform relationships into business opportunities. Start by reading my best-selling business book, Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. If you purchase it at robbysamuels.com forward slash bookstore, you'll receive all the book's bonuses, including the free audiobook. Would you rather one-on-one executive coaching? Email me at robbie at robbysamuels.com and we can schedule a time to chat about personalizing a strategic networking plan for you and a system for tracking your most important connections and those warm, weak ties you need to keep cultivating. You can also email me to get on the wait list for my next mastermind group coaching program. If you enjoyed this episode with Derek Kleinert, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan of On the Schmooze? That's awesome. I would love to read your review on iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance, and I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talented professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.